As the men are handing out the study sheet for this morning, I'll just warn you, probably you're just going to want to open up to Romans chapter 5. That's the bulk of what we're looking at. Romans 5 is recreated on your study sheet for you, but there's some other passages around Romans 5 you're probably going to want to turn to. So get a real Bible and, uh, and open that up. I think that'll be good for you. So I've, at this point in my career as an educator, I've heard an awful lot of graduation speeches. A lot of graduation speeches. I stay awake for most of them pretty well. Uh, worse now since I sit on the front row. It's much more noticeable if I fall asleep now. So I'm, I'm pretty alert. So I really do hear them. I never heard one quite like this. What would it be like for a graduation speaker to get up and say to the assembled group of newly minted graduates, I hope you never use what you just learned. On June 19, 1879, William Tecumseh Sherman gave this speech to the Michigan Military Academy. This is part of it. He said, I have been where you are now. And I know just how you feel. It's entirely natural that there should be, there should beat in the breast of every one of you a hope and a desire that someday you can use the skills that you have acquired here. Suppress that. You don't know the horrible aspect of war. I've been through two wars, and I know. I've seen cities and homes in ashes. I've seen thousands of men lying on the ground, their dead faces looking up at the sky. I tell you, war is hell. We... We're used to that phrase, war is hell. We may forget where it comes from. This is the speech where it comes from, where William Tecumseh Sherman, a professional soldier, a professional officer, says war is terrible. What would it be like to live through a war? In America, we, since the Civil War, we have not had war on our soil. And so when we go to war... Uh, the war is usually elsewhere. We don't, we live through some problems, I think, associated with the war, but we don't live through a war. What would it be like to just be born and live your life in the middle of a war? What effect would that have on your psychology? What effect would that tend to have on your family life? What effect would that have on your vision of what might or might not be possible in the future? What effect would that have on your willingness to share what you have or to take concern for other people, to live your life in a war zone? I want you to imagine that this morning because that is where you are. Jeremy and I don't really coordinate our messages, but I feel really awkward getting up here and speaking again. I, I really wish I could just say, amen, Jeremy said it, and sit down. Some of you may feel that way, too. But, you know, I got six pages of notes, so we're going to use them. Uh, 
But what Jeremy said is exactly right. We don't fully comprehend the horrors of sin. And so today I want you to think about sin as a war. Sin is a war with God. It's not just individual bad choices. I had sex with somebody I wasn't supposed to. I drank more alcohol than I was supposed to. I, I told a lie. Sin is a war with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If it's good news that you have peace, guess where you are before you get that good news? Right? You're at war. And in fact, we have declared war on God. And we have been living our entire lives. All of human civilization has lived out the life cycles of those civilizations in a constant state of war with our Creator. That's how Romans starts. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and following. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And he goes on, he says a couple of other things about the the knowledge of God. Then down in verse 21, chapter 1 of Romans. For although they knew God... They did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And therefore, this is the warfare part, verse 24, Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshipped and served the Creator, the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Because human beings declared war on God, they said, God, we don't need you. We can run things ourselves. We choose to rebel against you. We have lived and died and lived in a state of warfare with God. Romans 5 kind of tells you what that's like, what it's like to live in war. Look back at Romans 5. Look at verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Yes, death, verse 14, the first part of verse 14. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. Verse 15, second part of verse 15. For if many died through one man's trespass. Verse 16, second part of verse 16. For the judgment followed one trespass brought condemnation. Verse 17. For because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one human. Verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men. Verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners. How many times does Paul need to repeat himself? Where are you right now if you are apart from God? You are at war with God. Why is there death in the world? According to Paul, it's because we're at war with God. Why is there disease in the world? It's because we are living in rebellion with 
against God, at war with God. Why is there hatred in the world? It's because we are at war with God. Why is there so much selfishness? Why is there so much violence? Why is there so much of all the other evils we could list off on our fingers and run out of fingers before we ran out of evils? Why? Because we are living in a state of rebellion against God. That's the state of the world. It is an unnatural state. It is a horrible state. It is a state that curdles our brains and, and makes us see things unclearly and causes us to resist the movements of God again and again and again. The story that Paul tells in the book of Romans is kind of like this. It's interesting that he brings in Adam here in chapter 5, but basically it's the story of the Old Testament. Adam is created, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden are created... And the Garden of Eden is sort of like this special set-apart place where God walks. It's like the Holy of Holies in the temple. And Adam is sort of like the, the high priest. So what happens in Genesis chapter 3? The high priest rebels. The human beings that were placed in the garden to keep it and to walk with God rebel. They declare war on God. And Paul says because they declared war on God, all of us have been stuck in this system. All of us have joined the war. Every one of us sins, he says. But that whole, everything that's wrong with the human race traces back to this condition of rebellion against God, of rejecting God. What happens to a lamp? if it declares war on the power socket. It goes dark. What happens to your lungs if they declare war on air? They die and you die with them. What happens to you if you declare war on food? You can last a little while. Some of us will last longer than others, but... That won't end well for you. These are things that sustain you. When human beings said to God, no, 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 we got this. Let us handle this. This is none of your business. What fruit I decide to eat is my choice. When we said that and everything like that that we've said ever since, we declared war on the source of life. We declared war on the source of health. We declared war on the source of clear thinking and knowledge. We declared war on the source of justice. If you declare war on the one who gives you those things, what do you think is going to happen? Romans says God, Romans 1 says God gave them over. Sort of the results of your sin I'm going to let that be manifest now. I'm going to let you have your way. You want to declare war on the source of life, guess what happens? Death. You want to declare war on the source of health, guess what happens? Disease. You want to declare war on the source of justice, guess what happens? Crime of every kind. 
We are living at war with God. We, are, we have been born and we have lived out our lives at war with God. I get very impatient, I have to admit, as a gospel preacher, I get very impatient with people who say, you know, I want to know, you know, the real humanity. If we could just get rid of, you know, all the trappings of religion and, and, and civilization and all these things, we would get down to what human beings really are. We have no clue what human beings really are. Because we have lived our whole life, our, all of our cultures have been born and have developed in a state of war with the source of life and health and justice and peace. It is a horrible condition. But of course, Paul is not here to tell us bad news. He's here to proclaim the good news. He says, yeah, we've been at war. Sin is war. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then down in verse 6, he says it like this. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. One will barely or scarcely die for a righteous person. Maybe for a good person, one would dare to die. But God shows His love for us. Here we are, at war with God. We've got our fortresses, we've got our barbed wire, we've got our machine guns, we've got our weapons. Every time we get a chance to shoot at God, we shoot at Him. Every time we get a chance to wound God, we wound Him. We are living as His enemies. And Paul says this, But God shows His love for us, verse 8, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Could I get a louder amen than that? Thank you. That's amazing. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more now we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we will rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The human race has lived its life in warfare with the source of life in warfare with the source of health, in warfare with the source of justice and goodness and righteousness. And in Jesus Christ, not because we deserved it, we were living as enemies, in Jesus Christ we have achieved reconciliation. We can come back and a peace treaty can be signed with God. Through the faithfulness of Christ, humans are offered peace with God. Through the faithfulness of Christ, humans are offered peace with God. That's the second. That's the second one of our notes. And now, Paul says, Christ has become the founder of the new human race. I titled the sermon this morning, Humanity 2.0, because nothing less than that will quite capture what Paul claims here and in Ephesians and other places. The human race has been marred 
all the way through its existence. Every human culture, every human being, every human family has been marred all through its existence by living in this state of sin or war with God. We need a new Adam if we're going to have a new condition to live in. And that's what Paul says has happened. Just like Adam caused this catastrophe, our high priest who led us into war, we have a new high priest who will create humanity that is no longer at war with God. That's what Jesus is. Verse 12 of chapter 5, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. And he goes on and talks a little bit about what about the Gentiles who don't know the law and so forth. But then back in verse 15, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one person's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Everything that Paul says, he now negates. Everything that describes our condition of war with God is now negated and reversed in Jesus Christ. For because of one man's trespass, death reigned, through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all people. And as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Adam was high priest. Adam engaged in warfare with God and led the whole human race into warfare with God subsequently. We need a new high priest. There's another part of the story in which the Jews are chosen in order to try and, and bring this back. But they themselves declare war on God. And so Jesus is sent who lives out the true vocation of Israel, who lives out the true vocation of Adam, and says this is what a human being is actually meant to be. Jesus is not abnormal. I could never be like Jesus. Yeah, you can. Well, I could never be as unselfish as Jesus. Yeah, you can. I could never be as righteous as Yeah, you can. I could never be so devoted to God as Jesus was again and again and again. Yeah, you can. You aren't, but you will be if you let Jesus have his way in your life. That's what this says. Our warfare with God can end and we will be transformed in the image of Jesus Christ. Every place that our warfare has created, death, disease, dishonor, uh, injustice, stupidity, all of those things will be reversed in Jesus Christ. He is recreating humanity to actually do what Adam was meant to do all along, to serve as God's high priest to the entire universe.
And because of that, because of Jesus Christ, the new human race is destined to reap the benefits of peace with God. What will it be like to be at peace with God? We don't know. We certainly have never experienced that, but we are beginning to experience it the more we experience Jesus Christ. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, verse 20 and 21 says, so that as sin reigned in death, grace might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life in Christ Jesus. You declare war on the source of life, you're going to die. You make peace with the source of life, guess what? You're going to live. He explores this a little more back up earlier, verse 2 and following of chapter 5. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Our war, our war has already been won by Jesus Christ. We are in the mopping up stage of our condition of warfare with God. But anybody who knows the history of any actual human war knows that even after the final victory is assured, sometimes precisely when the final victory is inevitable... That's when the fighting becomes the most brutal. And so Paul says, I don't want to kid you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, suffering is in the cards for you. But your attitude doesn't have to be the attitude of those who have no hope when they suffer. Because your suffering is actually going to do something for you, and it's going to do something for the world. As you suffer, and there are all kinds of occasions for suffering in this fallen world, in this world at war with God. As you suffer, that produces in you a change in character, which each step brings you closer to being what Jesus Christ is. God intends to change you. To that end, He has, through the power of Jesus Christ, Place the Holy Spirit in you. The Spirit that leads to holiness. That's the Holy Spirit. In order to bring out of you ultimately the full flowering of your humanity, which is love. That's what we're headed toward. Paul says three chapters later, For I consider that the suffering of this present time is not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing. For the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of the one who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. We have been at war with the source of health and life and light and knowledge 
and wisdom and righteousness and justice and truth. We have been at war and those things have been stripped away from us to greater or lesser degrees. As we come back into peace with God through Jesus Christ, life and health and truth and justice and righteousness and ultimately love will return to us. That's the glory that waits. The whole of heaven, the whole of earth will be made new, will be transformed, will be restored to the way things should be as human beings. You and me, no kidding, you and me take our place. The place that was abandoned by Adam, the first Adam. Our place as God's high priests in this universe. We are the new humanity as we follow Jesus Christ. If you have never, never taken the step of becoming a follower of Jesus Christ by washing your sins away in baptism, believing in Him, being disgusted and wanting to put your sins away from you because of your belief in Him, being willing to publicly confess who Jesus is, and being buried in the waters of baptism to be raised up with a brand new life, Humanity 2.0. If you've never taken that step, or if you need prayers or some other thing, we invite you to come and tell us what we can do for you as we stand and are led in song.